A smear of dirt streaked across Lucas' forehead and up into his short black hair. Sweat ran in a single rivulet from one temple, snaking around his long lashes and down his cheek, pausing only briefly to dip into the shadow of a dimple as he gritted his teeth in a smile. His eyes regarded the knife in the princess's hand, an inch from his throat. And then those eyes, the golden color of sun on snow at dawn, lifted to hers and Amarande felt her heart melt like wax near a flame. The fighting tension of her body fled until the knife was still an inch from his throat, but not a threat. Luca's fingers brushed her cheek, sweeping a lock of wind-blown hair behind her ear. Luca raised himself onto his elbows. Amarande straightened, removing her arm from his chest. Their eyes remained locked as his lips parted, and Amarande wondered if he'd actually say it, that he felt it too, and that she wasn't the only one carrying an unspeakable hope thick in her gut. That's a quote from The Princess Will Save You by Sarah Henning. This is why a book chat, and I'm your host, Leah Stuhler. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of YA Book Chat. Thank you for being here and for listening. I am very excited to bring you this special episode today. Today, I am interviewing author Sarah Henning. Sarah is the author of Sea Witch, Sea Witch Rising, and Throw Like a Girl. And she has a brand new book coming out, which we will be discussing today. And it's called The Princess Will Save You. And this book is absolutely fantastic. It's a feminist retelling of The Princess Bride. What would have happened if Buttercup had saved Wesley? Well, in this book, we find out exactly just that. It's a very fun book. And as someone who is an extreme fan of The Princess Bride myself, I absolutely fell in love with this book. So I know you will as well. All right, so without any further ado, here is my interview with author Sarah Henning. Well, welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. I was really excited when I got contacted um, by Giselle because I am a really big fan of The Princess Bride. So I was kind of like, ooh, this, this could be really fun. So I was very excited about it. Oh, good. Yeah. Can you kind of tell me what your background with The Princess Bride is? Like, did you grow up watching it? Is it something you love? Or how about, what's your story with it? (laughs) Yes, all of the above. Um, No, I love that movie as a kid. So I'm, you know, 80s kid, right? And so I grew up with it. And, you know, and, and then watched it into adulthood. Like, literally, I brought that dvd with me to the hospital when i gave birth to my oldest Aww. son like you know because that's that's the thing it was like you didn't have cable so i was like here's some dvds mm-hmm. um and I, I you know i just i just love the story and um you know and and it's just it's like the perfect sort of fairy tale romance like um plan all of those things and mm-hmm. i just really really enjoyed it and so uh the the princess will save you is inspired by the princess bride i wouldn't say that it's a retelling i think that's already Mm -hmm. been like a problem i've run into where and this happened to me with my debut sea witch which is um (laughs) not a retelling of the little mermaid but an origin story and so i think people banter around the idea of retelling anytime anything is like inspired by so it's Mm -hmm. like it, it can be kind of difficult because then you're already up against everyone's expectations and their relationships with the original story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you really go off the map because it's not a retelling, it can be a difficult. But The Princess Will Save You is inspired by The Princess Bride. It has sort of a gender 
flipped idea in that the princess mm-hmm. goes after her commoner true love. But it also, I wanted to make a commentary on the whole idea of a damsel because uh, Buttercup was the epitome of a damsel when I, <laughs> I was growing up, right? Like, yeah. you know, she was probably the first damsel I saw on the screen when I was a little kid. And she is something to be rescued and something to be taken. And, you know, and, and she's supposed to be, you know, this girl that's won the jackpot. She's marrying this crown prince and he's going to become king. And, and she doesn't need to want for anything after being pretty poor, but not as poor mm-hmm. as Leslie. And still her life is a disaster because she doesn't have true love. And it's sort of, you know, I wanted to make a commentary about, about that and how we see women and you have the roles as damsels. Yes. Um, so I'm just, now I'm just rambling. So go ahead. No, it's fine. <laughs> I'm sure my listeners will love to hear all yeah. of it. So, and I do yeah. too. I am um, kind of the same kind of thing with the princess bride. Like I, it's actually my absolute favorite movie of all time. You ask anybody who knows me, even if it's just an acquaintance mm-hmm. and they will be able to tell you that because yeah. I am just kind of like obsessed with it can pretty much put it the movie on mute and quote the entire thing. <laughs> me too. Um, so yes. it's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I actually got to meet, I took my boys and we went to meet Carrie Elwes at Comic-Con. No. Yeah. It's, so I literally framed the picture. It's been on my wall since and ha- is never coming down off of the wall, whether my husband That's likes it or not. So, <laughs> but, um, Oh, I love him. Me oh, too. He is fantastic. I mean, yeah, he's part of the reason I love, you know, I love the writing and I love the interplay between everybody, but he carries that role so perfectly. Mm -hmm. He's just amazing. Uh, And I guess one other thing I should say about The Princess Bride is that as I became an adult, I realized that I was sort of uncomfortable with Buttercup and her arc. (laughs) And I didn't really realize (laughs) it, you know, when I was a kid. But, you know, she's so fierce in the beginning and even in the middle. Mm-hmm. She's pushing the man in black down and saying that she was in love and you know before she realizes Wesley I don't think I'm giving this away for like any of you but you know but then the person she is at the end and this is really like the crux of why I wonder at this story she usually like, takes the dagger and she's like gonna end it all and you know then Wesley comes in and says it's a boobs line that you know yeah. we can all quote <laughs> and um and I was just so like I as an adult it was like wait that's not who she was in the beginning I realized I'm, I'm oversimplifying the fact that they're trying to show that she was so distraught that she was just going to mm-hmm. end it all. She, you know, she couldn't have her love and she couldn't be here, but the buttercup she was early on would have taken that dagger and like tried to get out and yep. she doesn't. And I think that's really what I wanted to explore. I wanted to explore what buttercup of the dagger is like <laughs> and somebody who, who, who does all the way to the end fight for what she wants. And so that was one thing I really wanted to explore with this. And like, really, when I look at the framework of what I was trying to do, it was, okay, what if Buttercup had been as spicy and had agency this entire time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that definitely really comes across. And, you know, for everybody listening, the princess will save you. Like Sarah said, it's not a retelling, it's inspired by it. And that's something that's really important to know going in. And, you know, for me, when I got the email about the book and about interviewing you, I was kind of a little bit nervous only because I do hold the princess bride so dear to my heart. And I wasn't sure like what turn the book was going to take. But it was definitely, um, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. And it was, sure. And it, 
you know, it was definitely different. Like, and I actually, I wanted to ask you about this. I wanted to ask you about kind of your writing process with using inspiration from the Princess Bride, but yet making it your, you know, completely own story about Amarande and Luca. But, you know, being able to, for the audience to kind of get those hints of the Princess Bride at the same time. Yeah, you have to drop Easter eggs, but not too many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, yeah, no, it was definitely something that I didn't want to do, you know, scene for scene, line for line, exactly what right. happened. But I knew what I wanted, you know, start off with a kidnapping, but gender swapped, and then go from there. And what happens when the princess is like, screw this, I'm not going to play the game, I'm going to go get him. Because Luca is um, stolen away basically to push her hand into a political marriage. Amarande's father has died and she um, is in this extreme patriarchy where even though she is the only blood relative of the king, she can't actually gain her own power without marrying, which, mm-hmm. which yes. means that somebody is going to basically get control of two kingdoms and this hasn't happened in a thousand years. So people are scheming to kill off their wives and do all sorts of things so that they can get this 16 year old to marry them. Um, and she's like, no, <laughs> why didn't they rewrite the law? Why, you know, and she's questioning her father and trying to figure out why he didn't fix things for her. And so she wants to go and get, you know, go and get Luca and rescue him and not play the game. So in, in The Princess Bride, the story, Buttercup is, is stolen away, basically so Humperdinck can start a war. Because he really just wants to start a war. Right? He's the king. It's like wag the dog. Um, and she doesn't realize that, that all of that's going on. And so, you know, the whole entire setup is, is different. It's for different reasons. And then she goes to get him. She plays kind of the man in black and goes to get him. But then her whole world opens up because she's a highly trained warrior. <laughs> and this is another thing that's very important to me. I really don't like the term Mary Sue. It drives me bananas. Mm-hmm. So, like, people call Ray from Star Wars Mary Sue because she knows how to fight. And that's stupid. We would never do that to men. We don't have a term for it. Yep. And so Amaranda is highly trained and she's trying to reconcile the fact that she's a highly trained warrior with the fact that her father left her hanging um, <laughs> where she has to get married and just see it like, you know, wallflower. But the thing is, is that even though she's highly trained, she's never actually done this, right? She's never gone mm-hmm. out. She's never been sleep deprived. She's never <laughs> had to ride under the sun and be deprived of water and food and have to figure out how long her horse can stay alive without those <laughs> things. Um, and so it's a learning experience for her. Like nobody knows exactly what they're doing all the time, even if they're highly trained. Um, and so that was another important thing to show case for me was that like you can have a female character who knows what she's doing and still Mm -hmm. has no idea what she's doing um (laughs) she just is driven to go and do what she thinks is right and so that's sort of the setup and it so it is very different than the princess bride if you go Mm -hmm. in you'll know the first 20 pages this is not exactly the retelling but then toward the end you know there is a wedding that goes horribly wrong um just like the princess bride (laughs) um but for all sorts of different reasons than the actual tale so and speaking of the end, and I'm not going to, this isn't a spoiler, but know, just so, just so everybody knows when you get to the end of the book, there is going to be a second book because the ending is a little abrupt at the end. And it, I, <laughs> I knew that there was going to be a second book. So I was prepared, but just so everybody else knows when you read this, because sometimes you get to a book and if you don't know, there's a second one, you're going to be like, well, that stinks. But there's a second book, right? So we'll be yes. good. A lot is resolved, but there's enough at the end that you're like, oh, yeah, huh? Another mm-hmm. book. <laughs> just like to make yeah, sure so my. It'll be out the next summer. 
Okay, great. Yeah, yeah I, I'd like to make sure my listeners know that because I've definitely fallen victim to the, um, this is a horrible ending and not knowing and then finding out like months down the line, oh, and it makes so much more sense, but it's great. I want to talk a little bit about just quick, some of the like Easter eggs that you put in for the Princess Bride. So there were a lot of things that I felt like were you know, kind of pretty obvious and um, okay. But then there were other things that I thought, okay, either I'm reading too much into it or this is one also. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, we have Amarande has the red dress on, the three pirates who are like, yes. um, you know, Vicini, Inigo, and Fezzik, which by the way, I loved that one of them was female as well. I thought that yes. was fantastic. I love yes. that you did that. <laughs> yeah. um, I actually, side note, I directed a play version of The Princess Bride. I put a script together. Oh, and that's cool. I cast Vicini, Fezzik, and Indigo all as women. That's fantastic. And they were fantastic. So. <laughs> yeah. But I do love that. So we have that. And then um, I love how Renard and is it, how do you say, is it Talifair? Talifair. <laughs> They're kind of like Prince yeah. Humperdinck and Count Rugen. Yes. And <laughs> yes, yes, but brothers, that would have been yeah. interesting in the Princess Bride, but <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. And then, oh, oh, I love how you have Luca has the line that he says, you know, similar to how Wesley has a line that he always says. He always says, "As you wish." And I did notice there were a couple of "as you wishes" in here, yes, just in a different but not context. By Luca. No, not yes. by Luca. <laughs> Definitely not. Yes. That was on purpose. Yeah. And I was like, people are going to hate me or they're going to really like that. I don't know. (laughs) I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought it was a good inclusion. It's because it's even though this is, you know, your own interpretation, it's a different story. It's still, it's fun to have that in there with it. So yeah. Okay. you, (laughs) You tell me if I'm off on this. So we have the fire pits. Were those supposed to be kind of like the fire swamp? Yeah. You know, like, my editor and I talked about this because there's the whole rats of unusual size and there's the mm-hmm. forest and, um, and you know, the fire pits were something that I came up with really early on, but without even really thinking about that metaphorically, I just thought they'd be a cool way to, um, describe the landscape and you mm-hmm. kind of realize, um, and honestly, my books are blending together. So I can't remember if it's the first book or the second book, but you realize <laughs> what, where, the, like why they're situated where they are. And, mm-hmm. um, and, yeah, so the fire pits are really interesting because they're lit by the warlord, who's this sort of ghost character who um, controls a fallen kingdom in this sort of um, wild west wasteland that they're mm-hmm. running through <laughs> to try to to get Luca and then to get home. And um, and then the, and they're surprised because there's certain things that Amarande and Luca have learned about this land and um, and you know, when you go out into the world, it opens up to you. And mm-hmm. the things that you think you knew are, are either wrong or they're expanded. And that's exactly what happens on their journey. Yeah. Sure. But yeah, that, that metaphor actually came out like later. I was like, oh yeah, huh, that was good. Kind of works. Um, <laughs> yeah. And there is, there is a different spot where you mentioned like white sand that pulls you in. So I thought, mm-hmm. okay, that works too. They're not together, I, but it still works. Appears- this is the second book that yes we okay do our, we do get our quicksand moment in the second book I had to make sure that that happened <laughs> you, there are some things I saved there's there's some things I saved and you may have noticed one okay. of the pirates is a little um um indigo like yes and, very much yes 
and that sort of follows through a little bit too in the second book. Good. I also yeah. noticed um, we have the mostly dead reference. And, <laughs> yes. um, okay. Yes. I, you, you t- now this one could have been me reading into it too much, but I don't know. Cause <laughs> so we know how like, you know, in the famous fight scene, of course, between Wesley and Indigo, they each um, are fighting and then say, well, I'm not left-handed and switch hands. <laughs> so I did notice like partway through page 83. So it wasn't even like super far. There is a line that says one arm is always weaker than the other. Was that a reference to that? Or am I just like maybe adding a stuff? little bit? Yeah. <laughs> no, maybe you're good at, at checking me like more than I am myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling yeah. you, it's just because I'm obsessed with the princess part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we thought about that a little bit and like, and actually making all the fight scenes different and making sword scene, sword fighting scenes different and different levels of um, technique. <laughs> really mm-hmm. kind of fun, actually. Yeah. Well, I just, I, yeah, I love just all of the little kind of, and I won't give them all so that other people, if they haven't read this yet, can. Yes. Um, There's also a pit of despair scene. And I will say that that yes. was like the worst to write. That was really hard to write. I don't know if William Goldman felt the same way, but it's hard to torture your characters. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I did, yeah. yes, and I did love the pit of despair as much too. And that actually, so since you said that, that was something I was going to ask you about was maybe like what was a part of the story that you really struggled with writing mm-hmm. and then maybe what was your favorite thing about writing the book too? Oh my gosh. This book actually like really wrote itself. Like I don't, I, I, I say it's all my struggle for the second book, um, which is a typical writer thing to do, you know? Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, like it really was a joy to write this book. Like it was really cathartic and I enjoyed it. And um, like every moment of it. And my editor at tour, Melissa Frain, who, um, who isn't there now, I, uh, she just, she loves the Princess Bride deeply too. And so we just geeked out the entire time and had a great, <laughs> fantastic time, you know, and like I was saying earlier, kind of picking apart the things that we didn't like about the story that we loved so much, right? And mm-hmm. making some comments about women and their roles as damsels. And, um, and, it was, and it was just so much fun and figuring out different ways to kind of invoke the same feeling because that's really what you're trying to do when you're, mm-hmm. you know, like, it doesn't really have the structure, but there, there is sort of, um, I want it to feel the same way, even though it is a different book, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not, not even as close as like Emma is to Clueless. It's not <laughs> that close, but like, I do hope that if you know the story, you'll recognize it and enjoy it for what it is um, and not be bothered by the fact it's not a straight retelling. Yeah. Well, I know for me, you know, if anybody else who reads it is like me and a super crazy Princess Bride fan, um, it worked, you know, like it wasn't because for me, the Princess Bride is so perfect. I don't want a retelling of it. I don't want anybody to touch it and try and do it over again because it's perfect the way it is. So I don't want that, but something inspired by it is different because it's its own story and just has those like super fun elements that make me smile and happy because I know what they are and to see them included, um, you know, because they're some of my favorite parts of the movies, it just kind of helps a lot more. And so, um, yeah, it just makes the book that much better. So I, I'm hope I think a lot of people who are Princess Bride fans will really enjoy the book as well. Okay. So tell me, okay. So you mentioned a little earlier, 
before we started about the character names. Tell me about kind of their names and what inspired them. Yes. So the world that we're in is called the Sand and Sky, and it's a it's a standalone continent with different kingdoms. Um, There are four standing kingdoms and um, one fallen kingdom. (laughs) And um, I actually I studied abroad in Spain in college and I sort of picture this world as like the Iberian Peninsula like hacked off from France (laughs) and that's kind of my vantage point for it and so then that ended up inspiring the world and the names and things like that um if you read Sea Witch I actually do have a Basque name in Sea Witch um Iker is Basque he's not Swedish or Danish like the other characters and that's because my editor at Harper um studied abroad in Spain too but in Basque country and so Uh when I was working on this which is not even it's not even the same house as with Macmillan I was like you know I really like Basque stuff I'm just gonna go for it and so the naming conventions are actually very close to the continent itself. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Torrent in particular has a lot of Basque influence as far as the names. And, and like the name of the cider, Sagardoa, is like what they would drink in um, Basque country. But Amarande itself is actually Greek. Um, it sounds like it could be Catalan, <laughs> but it's not. Like most of the stuff in her, um, in Ardenia, where she's from, is kind of sort of Catal- Catalan. Um, but it's Greek and it actually means unfading, but it's also a type of flower. It's this flower called go- globe amaranth. Oh, nice. And I really liked the idea that it was a flower name. And then it was mm-hmm. also exactly the opposite of what I'm trying to do. <laughs> yes. like it's, I wanted to be unfading. <laughs> and so it was the perfect name and then just kind of went with it. But I do realize that, <laughs> that the, there are several names in here that are definitely like tongue twisters. And, yes. um, <laughs> and, and that's just start, you know, part of setting a world up. And um, actually, it's my son who's 11. I um, was trying to pick names for the characters, mm. specifically the pirates. And he actually was the first one to be like, well, one of them could be a girl, right? What about this name? And he picked Ula. And I was like, perfect. Okay, let's nice. do this. And, um, and so he helped me name actually... <laughs> the characters <laughs> nice and um, just like picking like off the baby names website <laughs> like this sounds good let's do this and you know some of them did change along the way but it was really fun to have him like just help me set up the world yeah that is really but cool. mom does all day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> might as well help right yeah. I, was, I was actually going to ask you about that too because um i noticed the dedication of the book which yeah. i love because you wrote <laughs> Yes, it is a kissing book again <laughs> to your kids. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to I wanted to ask you, um, do your kids kind of like ask you to write certain stories or give yeah. you certain things? Because I don't know, and I don't know if you know this, but when William Goldman wrote The Princess Bride, he asked his daughters, what should I write about? And one of them said a princess and one of them said a bride. And I so that was, that, yes. yeah, so it was really cool. So that was kind of the start of it. So I wanted to see if, um, you know, your kids were ever like, Hey, you should do this or <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, so the thing with the kissing book, my daughter is five. She does not care. She thinks mm-hmm. that you're kissing, you're married. So she's confused all the time. <laughs> um, but my son, who's 11, he's, um, he has several friends who've read my books and, um, one of them in particular was like, how much kissing is in this book? Because he read Sea Witch and he was like, there's a lot of kissing, Matera, there's a lot of kissing. And I was like, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> and so, um, and then when I wrote Sea Witch Rising, I literally told him, I was like, there's not that much kissing in this one, I promise. It's like a slow burn. It's good. And he was like, okay. <laughs> and um, 
and so and then uh my book that came out earlier this year in 2020 throw like a girl which is a YA contemporary like the people on the cover are literally like almost kissing and so <laughs> my son's friend was like they're kissing again huh and I was like yeah this is probably the most kissing I'm sorry um but you know like getting that reference into the princess five is important because it's really mm-hmm. a kissing book and so yeah they it's really funny because they're very proud of me for being an author but um yeah, I think they wish I wouldn't write stuff that was kissing. Um, actually, my son reads a lot of middle grade. He's like perfect age for that. And I have mm-hmm. some ideas that he's really excited about. And he constantly asks me when I'm going to work on them. Oh, <laughs> those course. are the ones he's excited about. <laughs> and I'm like, um, maybe sometime. <laughs> I'm like, Once I pass all my deadlines, I can work on those middle grade things. You think they're cool. But yeah. Well, that's fun. Oh, man. It's fun. Like, and it's fun that they recognize what I do, you know? Yeah. Like, as an author, they get it, which is really cool. Yeah, definitely. My kids have so many times that, what do you do, mom? What are you working on? And I'm like, eh, don't worry about it. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's it's fine. Because I, right now, work um, in health insurance. And so to them, they just see mommy sitting at a computer and they don't really know, like, understand health insurance because they're six (laughs) and nine. So, you know, but it's, yeah, I love that. It's fun that they know and have these ideas and get to help you a little bit with the naming. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask you, so would you, would you see yourself as more of like buttercup version or amarande? Oh, unfortunately I'm probably more buttercup. Like (laughs) I think that's why I tend to write strong female characters is because I would like to see the characters that like I I would have liked to (laughs) inform my, um, you know, my, my, uh, teenage dumb. Because, like, I am the sort of adult who hates conflict. I love it on the page. And I still, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm very Midwestern, so I don't like to cause a ruckus, like, ever. And so that's the problem, because I don't know to say no. Um, and I should be old enough to be able to say no. <laughs> and so, you know, so my background is actually in journalism. I was a sports okay. journalist for a long time. And when you know that, it really helps to inform those books that I've written, because I tend to put... Um, women into difficult male spaces, like mm-hmm. in general. Um, that's sort of a theme of my books. Even the Sea Witch books, <laughs> like that's pretty much a theme because they're in a very patriarchal society mm-hmm. and um, witches are <laughs> looked down upon quite a bit. Um, and so I, I tend to do that. And that's almost like a letter to my previous self, you know, like yeah. I wish that I had been um, more of like, I always go with the flow. Like, I don't push mm-hmm. back. I, you know, like, as a sports journalist, I actually, in college, I went and covered, like, a golf tournament. Um, and I remember the guy that was in the lead was in his 20s, and his dad was there. And his dad literally followed me around the entire <laughs> tournament because he was, like, peppering me with questions, like, what's an eagle? What's a birdie? How many strokes is that? And I was, Boy. like... He is missing his son winning this uh-huh. tournament because he's concerned about what I can do. And it's, it, you know, and that sort of informed my entire like early professional career was people don't trust me because I'm this five foot blonde lady mm-hmm. from Kansas. Like they don't trust me and to know what I'm talking about. And um, so I tend to write teenagers who know what they're doing <laughs> or at least get, get there by the end. Um, because I think it's important to show that teenage girls are really powerful and they're strong and, you know, people don't listen to them. 
or they'll back off because they don't want to be a problem or be seen as a problem. And so I tend to write girls that I hope that my daughter turns into. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Even if that's more difficult as a parent, um, because we need that, you know, it's Mm -hmm. really in the last few years, we've gotten a lot of strong female characters, you know, and I know to the point where like, sometimes reviewers complain that there's too many of them. And that's stupid. Like we've had thousands of years of like, of damsels, of like, objects to be won, the pot at the end of the Mm -hmm. rainbow, that's what these women are. And they're not, you know, characters, they're not fully fleshed out. And that was another thing. So Luca is my damsel, right? Mm -hmm. For all intents and purposes, he's a damsel. But I did not, I, it, I could have easily made him have some of the characteristics of a traditional damsel, and I did not want to do that. Like, he mm-hmm. knows how to fight. He probably kills somebody before Amarande does, like, honestly. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, you know, but he still, he still, you know, loves and believes that she's coming after him. That's where the mm-hmm. title comes from. The Vicini-type character um, doesn't believe him when he says, my, you know, my princess will come for me. My princess will right. save you. Save me. And he's like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, um, so it's important not to just, you know, equality doesn't mean taking things away from men. It means that right. women just want to right. be up to the same level. And so that was sort of part of the exploration of the whole damsel thing. And begin with. Yeah, I agree completely. There's a book that I read recently, and it's definitely a very um, empowering book for teenage girls. And I feel like, besides the fact that it's a great story, <laughs> um, she really like weaves that empowerment in there. And I read it and I'm like, yeah, if I had a girl, I would be like, you need to read this. <laughs> because, mm-hmm. you know, I agree, you know, we want girls to know that they can do everything that boys can do and they need to believe in themselves, even if other people don't. And, um, I had a job, I lived in Chicago for a while and I had a job running hockey tournaments and Mm -hmm. I was the only woman who was there. The rest were all men. And I definitely got the, you know, at tournaments, I would have coaches yelling at me and saying things and well, where's your boss? And I'm like, no, 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 he's going to tell you the same thing that I'm telling you. And I definitely got disrespected because I was a woman, you know, and I want them, wanted them to be, I just wanted to yell at them and say, I know I'm a woman, but I'm in control here. I can still do everything that my boss does, you know, like it's very frustrating. So yeah, I agree. It's so important to have books like this with the strong female character and show what they can do. But yeah, at the same time, not, you know, diminish what the man does. Right. Right. It's important. All the stuff they do is important as well. So, right. And I did love that little reference because Buttercup always says, my Wesley will save me. And so, you know, (laughs) Lucas says that about Amarande and I was like, oh yes, that's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I loved that as well. Are you going to be doing any, um, because obviously with the virus situation, I'm guessing you won't have any in-person events, but are you going to be doing any virtual events for your launch? I have a ton of virtual events and I'm waiting for them all to be confirmed so we can um, make, (laughs) like, like promote them. Like we have two weeks worth of events and like the people at tour have been amazing and setting it all up and (laughs) making it work because it's just, it's a lot, but you know, it's, um, I, I sort of, with COVID, I was sort of lucky in that, you know, by July, they have this sort of figured out, you know, like mm-hmm. how the virtual events can work and how you can sell books and um, how you can get signed books and, and, you know, just personalized things set up. And, you know, they, they really know what they're doing. Like, I've been very, very fortunate to have a great publicity team on this. 
it, you know, it stinks because we've lost a lot of, um, you know, opportunities, mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, like, you know, everybody's in the same boat and I hope that people are reading more, you know, like, yeah, um, <laughs> because it's just, it's nice to kind of lose the world for a little while and read something that doesn't make you think too hard either. <laughs> oh, <know>? I totally <laughs> agree. I, I so look forward to my reading time every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, it's just my favorite time of day. Cause I can shut everything else out and just sit and really enjoy and dive yeah. into somebody else's head and somebody else's world yes. and not have to think about mine for a while. Um, yes. Okay, so this okay, this might might sound kind of silly, but I <laughs> so as we as I was reading it and as we've been talking, um, mm-hmm. something that popped into my head is how so with Amarande and her situation where she's essentially told you know being told she has to be forced to marry and that that person mm-hmm. is then going to rule and take over her kingdoms, and it's this you know. I mean, unfortunately, like that's the way that it was for so many years for real, you know, with these princesses having to be forced into marriage. Okay. <laughs> A little bit. She kind of makes me, it's kind of made me think about um, Merida from Brave. Have you seen that oh, movie? Oh, yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I didn't and even think about that. Yeah. That's actually one of my favorite Disney movies because Merida says no and she wants to change things, kind of, you know, just like Amarande tells her counsel, no, you need to change this. I don't want this <laughs> to happen. And she's just very feisty and brave and goes through all of these challenges and these different things. Of course, Amarande doesn't turn her mother into a bear. But you know, no, she doesn't do that. <laughs> Her mother's a whole other piece, the runaway queen. Yes, which I think I kind of know. I had an inkling of where that might be going, but I can't, of course, say. I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> but um, we want to keep that a secret. All right. I know it's so hard. It is like it's so. My podcast, you know, I do when I cover books, I do spoiler free at the beginning and then I cover spoilers later and I tell everybody Uh, before that, because I don't know that I could get through an entire episode without giving some spoilers. (laughs) I just love to (laughs) chat about the whole thing. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, as, as a writer, like, because it's not out there yet, like I love talking to people who've actually read it because then Mm -hmm. I can, you know, gauge because we're in the editing process for the second book, like it's helpful to know like what people are thinking and expecting and, you know, things I haven't thought of. Like I literally have a spreadsheet of like the threads (laughs) and the people (laughs) and everything so that I, you know, don't do a Game of Thrones and drop everything. Oh boy, Um, please. You know? (laughs) (laughs) What is your, I always find it fascinating how um, authors, each have like their own style and process. So what is your process kind of like, are you a very big like planner? I have storyboards, you know, I put all this up and kind of plan everything out. Or are you more of a, eh, whatever happens to the characters happen? I mean, what's your writing process kind of like? I'm actually a hybrid between a plotter and a painter. Like I used to be a really like almost in the middle hybrid in that I would you know, come up with like the crux of the story and then kind of create like a spine of mm-hmm. events that needed to happen really far apart. And then if something happened between those um, little points on the line, I just went with it because I felt like if characters turn left, then, you know, my brain is telling me to turn left for a reason. <laughs> and, and your first idea is never your best idea. And I, you know, and because I was a journalist, that's sort of how I would plot my stories, right? So mm-hmm. I would go out to an event and I would talk to people 
and as you're talking to them, you're getting ideas in your head about what quotes and like how you're going to organize the store and then you go back and you do it. And so I, I almost do it the same way, you know, like mm-hmm. I know what needs to happen in each scene or in each act and then I go for it. But um, as I have gone along in my career and now I am to the point where people need to know what I'm doing all the time, my, you know, my agent or my editors need to know what's next and what I'm planning. I um, started planning a little bit more. So mm-hmm. I tend to um, set up a document in Scrivener in a three-act structure. And then I have this whole color coding system, like nice. as far as if things are plotted or if they're not and how they're set up. Um, and so like, for example, for The Princess Will Save You, we sold it on proposal. So I basically mm-hmm. sold the first act and um, a short synopsis. And then after that, I had to build the rest of the story. Um, and so, you know, I, I do really think, though, that if your brain tells you go a different way, you just do it. Like, mm-hmm. the people that are really structured plotters and know their world and, like, know what their character eats for breakfast and <laughs> their favorite color <laughs> and all that stuff, um, you know, I do think sometimes you're, you're pinned in because it might not be the best way to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how they, that's their process. That's how they have to work out. Um, and then the people who are severe pantsers are just seeing what's in front of them and just typing <laughs> the lines and going, and then they have to go back and they do a lot of revision. And so by being kind of in the middle, it helps. I tend to get um, a much cleaner first draft than, mm-hmm. um, than I would otherwise, because I do also revise as I go, because um, I don't like pushing ahead and having like the beginning not meet the middle, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and I do write out of order sometimes that I I, I really like to have things line up as much as I can before I go back and revise. But I, you know, I do plot a little bit more and I use Scrivener, like I said, as far mm-hmm. as software. Um, I also, I'm a big fan of Trello and Asana, which are like planning software that's free. Okay. And I, um, I actually use Trello to beat out my acts sometimes. Like if I mm-hmm. think I'm pretty close um, to what I need, I'll like kind of set it all up in cards and acts and figure it all out. Um, because my handwriting is atrocious. Like a lot of writers do this, like, you know, in a cool little bullet journal or like, you know, story mapping. And I'm like, I can't read what I wrote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm the same way. I do it. And I actually, and I, I'll write out things on, I have all these, um, I guess these are four by six. I don't know, <laughs> but I buy a ton of these postage and then I'll plot everything out, um, and color code it and then get it all into Trello or Scribner and then just go because it's, way to you do know, it. it's easier if you can kind of see how you're going and you know and then if I turn left I turn left and I know where I was supposed to be and it's fine yeah that's good yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm surprised the reader's surprised that's how that's I good I, yeah as a reader I like good surprises in my books it's always fun <laughs> yeah. I had uh, asked a different author at one point about the ending of her series she had a four book series and I you know, said, did you know that this was the way that you always wanted it to end? And she said, I didn't even know I was going to write four books. Uh-huh. Like I thought she said, she thought she was going to be done after three and then went, mm-hmm. nope, I guess I got to write another one. <laughs> so yeah. it's always just interesting to hear, um, you know, what the process is like. It's something I really enjoy. I will say that. that there's a twist at the end of um, The Princess Will Save You. And I knew that one like the entire time which mm-hmm. doesn't always happen to me, but like I knew where I was going on that. And it's, it's kind of separate from the main story. Um, but I knew that that's what I needed to do to drive into the second book. 
Okay. So I had that planned. Yeah. Nice. Because I know it's pretty left field, but it was planned. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. <laughs> All right. One, I have one like just kind of fun little question. And okay. then before we kind of wrap up, who is your, well, actually, it's kind of a two in one. First of all, okay. who, who is your favorite Princess Bride character? Probably Inigo. <laughs> Um, I mean, I think most people love him, but also, um, Mandy Patekin went to the same college as me. So (gasps) I have like this weird soft spot for him otherwise, even though like, I don't know that he's been back since he went to KU, but, um, yeah, no, I, I just always thought that was really funny because that was something I learned really early on, um, when I was a little kid because, you know, he kind of made it famous with that movie and yeah, yeah. So um, so probably him. And I just love his arc and, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's the bad, bad guy you want to root for. Yes, so, he yeah. is. You can't not love him, you know? Yeah. Um, I really, I mean, I love all of them, but I think Miracle Max is probably <laughs> my favorite. And I just love to, because Billy Crystal pretty much ad-libbed all of his lines. Yes. So that just makes it even better knowing that and watching it all the time. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right. So what about a favorite line from the movie? Oh, that's hard. Um, that's really hard because there's so many that are iconic. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, I have honed in quite a bit and I'm going to butcher the line right now, but like, um, because of course, because we're being recorded, of course. but the, um, <laughs> the line that Wesley says about how, you know, do you, this is true love. Do you think this happens every day? Yes. And, um, you know, and actually like, you know, one might kind of place on that when I was thinking about the story is that, um, you know, it does happen every day if you're with the right person. And that's yeah. sort of how it is for Luca and Amarande. You know, mm-hmm. that's how their, their answer is for that. Like, I mean, I get the sentiment, but like, also, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Also. Kind of think of it a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that. Mm-hmm. Mine is just more of a funny, like when um, Prince Humperdinck is talking to Count Rugen and he says, Tyrone, you know I love watching my you work, but I've got my country's 500th anniversary to plan, my <laughs> wedding to arrange, my wife to murder, and Gilda to frame for it. I'm swamped. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My and this delivery is so good for that. And it it's, is. It's and perfect. It really just like in a nutshell, that's his motivation right there. Like, you, mm-hmm. like you can't get away with that usually. <laughs> <laughs> no, but William Goldman right there. One yeah. sentence describes the entire book pretty much. Right. At least yeah. count uh, or Prince Humperdinck in the entire yes. book. Yeah. I mean, like if you're writing his character, that is his motivation. Do you have, so along the same lines, actually, do you have in, in The Princess Will Save You, did one of the characters kind of pop up as you're like, this is my favorite character to write? Um, honestly, this is bad, but Prince Talifair, who, um, he's very, um, very charming and also terrible. Mm-hmm. And so he was really fun to write. And <laughs> I, I can't even like, I don't even know how to describe him. <laughs> Except he is he is terrible, um, but he's always kind of laughing about everything, and you never know if he's like actually serious or if he's just got this inside joke going. And he was just really fun. His lines always came up, and and then everything else builds around it because he knew who he was yeah. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> 
Well, why don't you, um, can you tell everybody else a little bit about um, some of the other books that you've written? Sure. So my debut is called Sea Witch. It is the origin story for Hans Christian Andersen's Sea Witch, so not nice. a lot. Um, <laughs> and the idea with that, because now it looks like I just do books mm -hmm. that are inspired by things, um, was that, you know, I watched The Little Mermaid as a kid, just like I watched The Princess Bride. And then as an adult, I read um, the actual Hans Christian Andersen tale, and I was, like, betrayed from the mm -hmm. Sea Witch, because she's not a villain, actually, in the original tale. She's sort of a neutral character who um, the mermaid comes to and, and, you know, she's like, you know, do you want to leave your family and your friends, everyone you know, for a boy that doesn't know your name and you could die? And, um, you know, and when the girl answers yes, she's like, all right, I'll help you. And so I wanted to explore who that person was, somebody who clearly knew true love and knew it was worth it. Um, and had the power to, to help mm -hmm. and did, you know, even though the stakes were really high and, um, you know, and the guy didn't know her name. <laughs> um, and so that was the entire kind of thesis statement for Sea Witch was trying to explore and figure out what kind of thing happens to this person to create a character like that. <laughs> um, and then Sea Witch Rising was the sequel to that book. And um, it takes place actually, during the backdrop of um, World War One, and that was really okay. fun to kind of work in. Actually, both of those books have real life history in them. There's a mm -hmm. real life um, witch hunter king that kills a character about 220 years before Sea Witch begins, and that's a real witch that died <laughs> under that king. Um, oh. <laughs> and so, like, I got a lot of real history in there as a touchstone, which is really fun because I don't think, you know, Americans, we don't know a lot of um, certain types of European history, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if they had a witch hysteria around the same time we did, um, very similar outcomes but in this case they had a king that that liked to burn and <laughs> burn and kill women you know himself and so um that was kind of fun to explore um but, but yeah so he which rising takes place kind of at the dawn of world war one and and denmark was neutral but because of their location um they actually really couldn't be <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was a really fun the both of those books are really fun to explore um and create sort of magical systems and look at what the 1860s and then and early 1914, 15 was mm -hmm. for, for women. And then um, my other book that came out this year is for Like a Girl, which is a YA contemporary about a female football player. Um, it's a softball player who's sort of down spiraling and she is recruited to be the not so backup quarterback on her ex-boyfriend's football team. So it's Ooh. very different than these books. <laughs> so he is fun and, um, and you know, there's cars. Um, <laughs> I have a running joke with my husband. If you ever read the dedications um, for Sea Witch. So my husband is always like, whenever I'm like on the floor with a pot, flat problem, you know, just like, mm -hmm. uh, usually in revision, usually not when I'm writing it. He's always like out of car chase. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"I laughs> Um, and so I actually kind of got like a semi-car chase into um, Sea Witch Rising, but then in Throw Like a Girl, he's like, they actually have cars, and they're going to have a car chase. I'm like, yes. <laughs> this is the type of book. This is the first <laughs> book where I haven't killed anyone, so we're just going to keep it um, So, yeah, very different than any of other books, but um, like I was saying earlier, kind of along the same lines of dropping women into like very difficult male-centric situations. Yes. Nothing more male centric than football. That's um, true. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, yeah, so that book came out in January and I love it very much. 
and um and so and then the princess debut comes out july and then we'll have the sequel next summer i don't know the nice. date yet but that's the plan well that's yeah. very exciting Thank you so much for being here today, Sarah. Um, and for all of my listeners, I am going to put in the show notes today links to Sarah's website so you can check out all of her books there. And I will Thank put you. links to purchase the books. And then if I see anything pop up at some point for your virtual events, I'll go in and add those oh, to the show you. notes later. So, yeah. yeah. And I should say, if you want personalized copies, my local indie, which is the Raven Bookstore, is, um, is doing that for me. So nice. anybody who wants any like actual signed books or they're the place to go. Cool. Very good. I can send you the link for that. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. And then I'll add it to the show notes for everybody. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, it has been course. so much fun. And thank you to all of my listeners for listening. Go and check out the princess will save you. You will absolutely love it. Especially if you are a fan of the princess bride. All right. Well, thanks for listening everybody. And we will chat again soon. Today's episode featured the book, The Princess Will Save You by Sarah Henning. Be sure to follow YA Book Chat on Instagram and Facebook, and don't forget to subscribe so you can get your episodes as soon as they are available. And please be sure to leave a positive review as well because it really does help. YA Book Chat was created, it hosted, and edited by me, Leah Stuhler.